Hello and welcome to the Behind the Artist podcast with Park West Gallery. I'm Gallery Director Morris Shapiro. If you'd like to view works of the artists I'm interviewing and learn more about them, please visit our podcast site with links to more content at parkwestgallery.com forward slash podcast. International art dealer Park West Gallery is proud to present our new podcast series, Behind the Artist. Each episode will be talking to popular contemporary artists to learn the stories and inspiration behind their extraordinary artwork and fascinating careers. This is Behind the Artist. It's no frills, just real and deep conversation. I'm Maura Shapiro, and I hope you enjoy this journey into the life and art of Peter Nixon. Well, let's talk about your book. It's so beautiful. Um, you worked a long time on it. And you wrote extensively. I think it's probably, of all the books that we've published at Park West, it's the, uh, the one that has the most writing by the artist. Yeah. Because I think you're as gifted a writer and, and speaker as you are a painter, which is really a wonderful uh, you know, gift to have, skill to have. And um, how did you pick the images? Take me through the process. Take us through the process of putting that beautiful book together, because it's something very special. It was... As you say, it was a long process and a, a process of sort of, I mean, I started out with all the images and then you have to go through this kind of painful process of thinking, you know, maybe I love this painting, you know, I love them all, but you know, some of them you have to leave out. And I did it through all sorts of processes. I, the, the idea of having a double page, two paintings complementing each other or you occasionally get a, a theme or things like that. And putting it together, the, the writing part came from, uh, it started with the speeches. You know, this is something that uh, Park West likes their artists to do, which is, uh, can be a challenge for some people. Very few artists actually give speeches. You're yeah. probably one of the only ones that will do that. Most artists just get up and spontaneously start talking about their work. They have kind of a sketchy background, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, a sketch, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then they'll take questions, things like that. Yeah. But you, you're, I think, probably the only one that comes to mind that will actually have a prepared, you know, speech. Yeah. That you'll rehearse, you know, while you're, you told me you rehearse while you're painting sometimes. Yeah. You, you yeah. Get yeah. it to memory. And then you'll deliver it with this wonderful, you know, compelling, you know, it's, it's become to it. a real thing. I mean, yeah. I, as I said, I, I, I'm better now, but. I wasn't a natural when I first started at Park West. Well, you've conquered it, certainly, yeah. Yeah, and it's become a process now that I, I thought, well, and I saw... And I've never heard you do the same one twice. You're always creating new, new speeches. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I can't remember who it was. I saw another artist speak, and it was really concise. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end, mm -hmm. and it made sense, and it had a theme and a sort of arc to it. And I thought, well... I'd rather it be like that than, than uh, you know, it'd be a bit of a jumble. So mm. and, uh, it would be a, a good exercise for me to clarify my thoughts about art, you know, because some artists are happy for the work to speak for itself or their motives are instinctive. I've always wanted to know why I'm doing this. It, 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 doesn't make sense to me to to just I would I was inspired by something mysterious I I I'd like a reason for that 
for, for what I'm putting into the pictures. And the speeches became a way of clarifying that. And as you say, I practice these things when I, usually when I walk the dog in the park in the morning. <laughs> you know, people see me walking along, my mouth going. You know, <laughs> and, um, but what I find is that I'll, I'll think, right, okay, let's, we, I've got to practice this speech. And I'll veer off from the speech. I'll start rehearsing it in my head. And I'll have a, a, a spontaneous thought that the speech is stimulated, and then that will take me off somewhere else, and it might lead to an idea at the end of it. So this has now become a kind of integral part of the creative process, that it's, uh, it's a necessity, but it's so, and I've tried to turn it into a tool, if you like. Wonderful. And that was the impetus for the writing, a lot of the writing in the book. Yeah, I mean, the, the writing started out as, some of the writing started out as speeches, and I thought, this is an opportunity to expand on, you know, you've got to keep it concise, 20 minutes or, or whatever. This is a, an opportunity to take those same subjects and expand a little more yeah. on them. Uh -huh. Because I do feel that art needs to be demystified, really because I don't see it as a, a mysterious process that's... Uh, or, or elitist. No, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Your work's very accessible yeah. to people from all, all yeah. walks of life, all yeah. levels of artistic sophistication. They can access your work, which yeah. is a wonderful quality to have. And I think I've said to you before that the, the writers that I admire the most that write about art are the ones that know their subject inside out but write in a very straightforward way mm -hmm. that you know you don't want the the 20 syllable words in there you know i mean I'm, you and i have talked about art gobbledygook before yeah. that uh, you know you can read two pages in a book and think what at the end of it <laughs> what are you saying I, I just stop and put it away <laughs> yeah yeah I and mean, it, it it spoils it i mean yeah. I, I could there are a couple of artists that i think of that i bought books on because i was interested in their work and so this, the, the, the mediator who was write, writing between the two, just, it, it just got more opaque, you know, with, with their writing. They weren't explaining anything. I, I went to this exhibition at uh, All Too Human, it's called, at Tate Britain. And uh, it's fig, British figurative art from the beginning of the 20th century till now. And there was, uh, one of the people in there was uh, Ron Kittai who, um, an American, of course, but very much involved in the School of London. Mm -hmm. And he's always been a fascinating figure because he wrote, he was very literary, read a lot of books, and he wrote all the um, detailed explanations for all these pictures. When everybody was calling them untitled one to ten, you know, Ron was giving you the, the whole kit and caboodle mm -hmm. of the picture. But you read his explanations, and again, it makes it... I mean, it's very straightforward English, but it just makes it even more opaque. <laughs> the themes in your book, um, let's talk about those for a minute. I know it's memory, right, and yeah. music, obviously. What are some of the other themes that you discuss in the book? Um, brush marks and techniques and ideas. I mean, these are the themes that go through the work. I mean, particularly memory is, is obviously my whole process relies on having a memory that uh, 
as I say, I'll start out with a very simple theme like, like music. And while I'm painting, usually it will start with a figure and it starts with the idea of what is this figure doing? What is this figure thinking about? And it'll trip a memory and that will go into the picture and then it will lead into, in, into something else, you know, that uh, it'll lead, uh, you know, the, the, the subject will trip a, 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 a similar subject by another artist that might be on a similar theme or it'll be related. That painting could suggest a piece of music, etc., etc. So it's, a, it's kind of like a series of Russian dolls that you just keep opening. And the idea just circles around. Marvelous. Is and there one that deals with time? Is there a time theme? Well, time, time comes into it, yes, yeah. certainly. I'm always interested in that idea that we, we live at a time where you can, you can look at the whole of art history in a way that people in the 16th century or the 18th century couldn't. You know, we can compare and contrast all these different times and see how it's developed and how I'm always fascinated by this idea about how one period will influence another you know Rembrandt's loose brush marks again going back to that Tate Britain exhibition uh, Lucian Freud obviously influenced by Rembrandt you know but takes it to another place puts a very modern twist on it build that narrative's wonderful how do you feel about being an artist who is aesthetically oriented in the world we live in today, which is so obsessed with conceptualism and philosophies of what is art and what isn't art? Yeah, I mean, it, I sometimes wonder whether that is a product of the, uh, the, the industry that's grown up around art and painting of, of all these theorists and writers and art historians all very necessary but it becomes a kind of business in itself and it becomes you have to have something to write about for a kickoff so you have to make it interesting by applying it to something else within the world whether it's politics or philosophy philosophy yeah so and I sometimes think that the artists themselves aren't necessarily partaking in this. That they did, you know. And I've read stuff before on artists, and you think, I'm sure the artist doesn't think this. This is somebody else's interpretation. And again, as I say, this is necessary. And uh, um, but um, I think that sometimes it gets in the way of actually looking at the picture. That that you, there's too much. Uh, or, or attempt at clarification sometimes it, it's obfuscation as well so just you think it needs to sustain itself it's a self-perpetuating well, they've got to find yeah. something to yeah, write about to write and about. it's like yeah. you know it's like the whole thing in the world you've got to have 24 hour news now so you're constantly finding new things it's curious to me you know I keep wondering how this will change in the future because we're in the midst right now of so many amazing transformations in the world due to the digital revolution you know so many industries are changing and the world's upended and we're in the midst of this tsunami of content 
coming yeah. at us just a trillion miles an hour, you know. Everything is a ne virtual needle in a haystack. So is that going to, to just wipe out all this, you know, this complete world of academia and our criticism and all the, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, I guess, density of that stuff? Um, and do you think we're going to go back to a period of, of aesthetic appreciation? You think, I think hope it's so. coming? Yeah, I hope so because I I think it's it's quite a, a, a fundamental human thing to to I want agree. to do that. It's all you know we we've we've come to the end of I think where art can shock or possibly show us something new, and I could be proved wrong. Yeah, on that 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 virtually you know who was it um, Danto said that. Uh, um, art is now everything. Mm -hmm. you know, everything can now be yeah. art. Yeah. Um, so his, his book after the end of art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we've had people said that painting was dead because of photography. Right. And um, I don't think it will ever go away. And again, going back to this all too human exhibition in the last room, they had um, they went from the beginning of the 20th century and they had contemporary figurative painters now. And it was just as strong a room as any of the others. I mean, um, interestingly, a lot of them were women, which of course is uh, another big change. You know, or a good change. A, another yeah. development. Yeah, very good change. Yeah, and fabulous paintings. And mm -hmm. you just think painting is still yeah. alive and kicking. I mean, right. I don't know whether anything on the scale of cubism is coming along or if it is we, we will only see it in retrospect but it's a vibrant world out there if you check on uh, online or go to art galleries uh, figurative art is by wired into us you know yeah yeah it's part of the human experience I mean, it's like, like, like saying you know we, we've got machines that can play music for us now why would we want yeah, to learn an music. instrument yeah exactly because it's mm -hmm. it's tactile and it's pleasurable yeah yeah Interesting, the, uh, the Gibson Guitar Company is in danger of going bankrupt. Really? Yeah. And I was reading about it, and it was because young people don't want to learn to play the instrument now, because you don't need to learn to play the instrument. You can do it you know, on your computer, and why would you want to take all that time, put all those years into it? So people aren't buying guitars. Really? Yeah, yeah. They oh, sold that's, like that's sad. they sold 1.5 million guitars in 2016, and in 2017 they sold a million. So a third, third for their sales were down, you know, in a single year. And then again, you think about the music that is being created today. The vast majority of pop music doesn't really have guitars in it. It's, yeah. You know, the EDM, yeah. you know, the electronic stuff. And certainly hip hop and rap doesn't use guitar yeah. you know, music, so or these loops. Yeah. So uh it's But really I mean if sad, you look at it? a specialist area like jazz, there are so many really talented young musicians who yes. do know how to yes. play an instrument coming yes. through. So yeah. well getting back to this point about, you know, shocking art uh, you know, trying to shock people and definitions of what is and what isn't art, which we've been obsessed with now for a hundred years since Duchamp's snow shovel. I mean, I, I tend to avoid negative subject matter yes, you do. in my work. And, yes, very um, much so. You know, you get the occasional question about that. And I think that uh, the more beauty that we can promote in the world, 
the better it will be. You know, there's, there's plenty of other avenues for negativity out in the world. Listen to the news, you know. It's, uh, it, the, we need more good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for, for being one of those beacons of good stuff well, out there. Yeah. Bringing yeah. pleasure to yeah. people. Uh, let's talk about the wonder cabinets. Yes. Uh, can you describe that for our listeners? Because yes, they're, they're such wonderful creations. They're, um, they Speaking are, of beauty. They are um, a sort of oblong shaped and, and they're, they're domed at the top. And they're, they're around 34 by 18 inches and made of wood, painted on wood. And they have hinged doors on them. So what you get is um, a bit like an icon. I mean, it's kind of that, that kind of format. So you get a, a subject matter on the outside, and then it, it opens out into another scene on the inside. And usually the outside and the inside are related. Thematically. Yeah. yeah. So I did one, going back to the Michelangelo, I did one that was on Disegno and, and Colori, and the outside was um, Rome and Florence, you know, represented by Titian and Michelangelo on one door and, and uh, Michelangelo on the other. Then you open it out and, and there's a big scene with, with the two of them meeting and um, uh, two girls in the middle holding a book that has both the characteristics of both artists painted within it. Was that the first one you did? No, it wasn't. It oh. wasn't. What was the first one? The first one was one an, uh, an angel. And it came from um, a visit to uh, Peterhof. I think it's Peterhof. There's a room in the Peterhof Palace. In St. Petersburg. In St. Petersburg, where an artist has painted a gallery of faces. And I was very affected by that. And I did a gallery of angels within, within this picture and uh, gold-leafed the outside of the, uh, of the, of the uh, cabinet itself. Where did the idea come from? Where did the idea For the, come from? For the cabinet. Yeah. Did you see an icon somewhere? Or I've got, an, I, I've an, got an icon piece? at home. It might have been. It's, yeah. I think it was... I painted a picture with an arch in the middle, and I like that idea of always going through arches and having a scene outside. It's like a window or it's like a picture within a picture. Uh -huh. And um, I think that's where it came from. And I thought I had a chance meeting with a friend of mine who works in wood. And I had this idea and, and he said, oh, I can make those for you. Nice. So, yeah. That's convenient. How many have you made so far? I, th I think it's about eight or ten. And most um, of them are illustrated in the book. Featured in the book. Yes, yeah. yeah you have a whole yeah, section on the, yeah. on the wonder cabinets. They are beautiful things. They're so extraordinary. Oh, they're, they're wonderful to do. I, oh, every time I see one, I get so excited because they're, they're so beautiful. Now, I know that you, you did a life size horse painting yes. because I sold it. Yes. That was an extraordinary painting. Are you working on any other life size works? That was the largest well, painting I've ever seen you do. I did a life size angel, which is on the, the cover of the book. Right. And I'm doing a horse's head at the moment, uh -huh. so it's more than life size, and that's uh, five feet by five feet. That's a good size. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like painting large? I love painting large. I, I wish 
you know, maybe the, the spirit of Titian is in there with me somewhere. <laughs> I want to and paint, paint in the, uh, paint in the, in the grand manner. You know. Do you have any limitations in your studio as far as size? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's yeah. in the attic, so uh, there's only a certain size I could go to, but I, I think I tested Park West with the, uh, the size of that painting because yeah. with the framing, I mean, it, it made it, it was, was it 90, 92 by 84 and I think with the frame it just made it huge. You're talking about a lot, the, horse, the horse painting? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of people were interested in it and then realized yeah, they, they, had no, they yeah. didn't have a wall for it in yeah. their house. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the collector who acquired that painting a month or so ago and he showed me a photograph on his uh, phone. It was wonderful. Yeah. Hanging it right, right above his sofa in this beautiful large format wall. It looked fantastic. That it's a, that's in the UK, painting. isn't it? Yeah. It's in the UK, yeah. He's a very enthusiastic collector of your work. Really, he was thrilled to get that painting. That was a spectacular. Oh, piece. that was great yeah. fun to see your work in that scale. That's something you know. A lot of uh, people, I don't think they really grasp is how important scale is. You know, when you have that impact of, of a large painting, what yeah. it does to the aesthetic experience. You know, you you're, you're aware of it, but not really at the same time. Yeah. You know, people yeah. don't really think about yeah. it, but it's such an important part of it. There's a certain freedom to working that size as well, because to cover that area, you've got to use big brushes. And when you pick up a big brush, you, you automatically start to get expressive with it. Just because of the physicality of holding yes. it. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, interesting. Never thought of that. Yeah. That's inside baseball tip from the artist right there. What's that? <laughs> what happens when you pick up a big brush? It changes your gesture. My, my approach is always use, a, apart from painting something precise like lips that you've got to get exactly right. right I like to use a brush that's bigger than the mark itself really because if you get if you get something with a point on it the uh, temptation to just make very safe marks with it uh, well the limitation in the amount of paint you've got there mm -hmm. whereas with a, a two inch brush you can put a great uh, a lot of paint on it and twist it and make very expressive marks yeah you can use uh, the side of the brush, the tip of the brush, the, tip of the corner brush. of the brush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's amazing the flexibility you get from a single instrument, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Once you get as facile as you are with it. So what are you thinking about doing now? What's on your radar at the moment? Ideas? What are you working on today? I've just started a painting that has the theme of water to it, and that's about as far as we've got. That's pretty broad at the theme. moment, so it's a mirrored. <laughs> it's a pretty bright. Well, that's theme. what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it starts with that. Thing. Okay, what we're we going to do now? But I, I had one of those um, serendipitous moments, and uh, you know, I was saying that I get ideas from all over the place. They, they come out of books, and sometimes when you're searching for a solution, you, you get this serendipitous moment where the right thing just turns up when you need it. And um, I'd, I'd like to think that that process gets rewarded sometimes. And I was painting this picture yesterday, and it's a watered theme, as I say, reflections. And what I've got so far is a painting by the Victorian. I've got my figure in there, and she's reflected in water. And I thought of the, the painting by the Victorian artist, J.W. Waterhouse, uh, called Echo and Narcissus. And mythological scene and uh, so I put Echo and Narcissus in little squares within the picture 
on either side. What is nice is that Echo is whispering into the girl's reflection, into her ear. So we've got something to pursue there. But I was, um, and I painted that yesterday afternoon. And in the evening, I was watching a, a kind of detective TV program with my son. And uh, a guy was looking for his daughter in the program. And somebody said, she likes to go to the art gallery. Maybe you'll find her there. So he went into this uh, art gallery. It's the, uh, the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool. I know, I know it quite well. And she was sitting there sketching as he walked into the room in front of Echo and Narcissus no, no by Waterhouse. Wow. <laughs> and that really made me very happy to see. I thought, what a fabulous coincidence. <laughs> and I, I said to my son, look, I said, I was yeah. painting that this afternoon. And well, he said, yeah, whatever, Dad. <laughs> well, it was a great affirmation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you think, oh, I must be on, on the, the right, right track. track. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you've told me that before, that you have these, these wonderful coincidences that take place in your yeah. work. Themes that will pop up. You're reading one book, and you'll pick up another book and a completely different subject and you'll find a similar you know, concept even, or even the same concept. Yeah, yeah. Which is really interesting too. These, these overlays of meanings and, uh, and, and sources. That's great. So how many paintings do you have in your studio now? Going at the moment, I think, I think I've got six on the go. Wonderful. Yeah. When you come to one of our events and you meet, you know, 100 people, 150 people or so that are art collectors. What is that like for you? What does it mean to you to have these people be a part of your world and, you know, collect your work and it's, speak with you about it and, you know, be enthusiastic about yeah, meeting yeah. you and collecting your art? Oh, it's wonderful. It, it's, it's a real inspiration. I, I mean, would it's, so, yeah. it's very exciting because, uh, you know, you have to... Um, an auction is a very exciting thing. It can go well or it, it, or it can not. You know, and um, suddenly to go from the sort of monastic silence of my studio <laughs> to, you know, I've got nobody to speak to but the dog. And then suddenly 120 people, you know, and you're the object of their attention. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It, and it, it is. And for two, you know, two, three, four days, you, you, you talk until you're hoarse. And I've said this before that it's it's real inspirational fuel. You take their enthusiasm, and you take it back to the studio, and you think, what can I do with it now? You know, right. they yeah. they like that, they like that, they like that. Yeah. Let's see what yeah. we can do now. Yeah. What else? What else have I got in my bag of tricks? Right. Right. Well, your bag of tricks seems to be inexhaustible, from what I can I can see. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to touch some wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, did it? Did it? Did it, was it hard for you to get to the point where you had an inexhaustible reservoir of ideas and subjects? When you were younger, were you struggling with that? I did, always just yes, evolved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was because there was a pressure yeah. to produce. That I, th I think once you get into your own stride and you stop feeling the pressure of these other artists on you, you know, Picasso, how intimidating... The, yeah. these great masters are to look at mm -hmm. that you think I can take that and do it my own way you know and I will do it differently from them you know I don't want to love their painting I don't want to paint like them I would never like to produce a Picasso or a Rembrandt but you take the spirit 
and uh, you use it in your own way. And I learned, I can't remember how it came about, it must have been gradually, this idea of what Keats called negative capability, where you don't try and brainstorm an idea. Or you, uh, and sometimes I will sit down with a sketchbook with a completely empty head and you just think, what am I going to do? I've got, I've, I've got a spare hour. Can we come up with some ideas? And something happens. Do you jot them down or sketch them? I do little matchbox sized sketches and usually a few words in there as well. Whatever pops into my head mm-hmm. doesn't have to make any sense. And then I'll come back and review them later. And, uh, but there, there are books and books of these things. And I hope that you know, I live long enough to, to, to get to do them. <laughs> and you can go through periods where you don't have any ideas at all. You know, it's not like it's a daily thing. But, and then I get a, a, a kind of rush of them once in a while and one thing will lead to another and quite often that used to happen after a Park West event that you'd had this weekend of partying and, and stimulus and a lot of talk about art and I'd be, I'd be sitting on the airport waiting for a, a plane and that's usually where you, I get lots of ideas you know you'd, you rev, you'd review what's just gone on and you start to think it's you start to kind of riff on that. It must be very nice to have that affirmation, you know, at those events. Oh, it is. Yeah, all, I mean, the, all the hard work that you do and yeah. the years and years you put into, you yeah. know, honing your skills and developing your language and then see that, you know, people are, are in love with it, you know, want to uh, acquire it and spend, you know, significant amounts of money to have a chance to, you know, buy one of your paintings. That's got to just be a wonderful feeling for you. Yeah, I mean, and it's... Yeah. Makes it all you don't paint them with that in mind, but sure. that's a real bonus. Yeah, yeah. When somebody says, your picture has yeah. moved me, you yes. think, wow, yeah. really? Yeah. What, a, what a wonderful uh, gift huh, to be yeah. given, yeah, yeah. to have that ability to bring that pleasure to people like that. Can we talk a little bit about uh, London contemporary art, just for a few moments? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because that was an interesting period in your life. It was an interesting business. Yeah. You know, they were publishers, and they were based here in London, and they were pretty much active primarily in the 1980s, right? And when there was a fairly booming commercial gallery business. And so they were supplying art to galleries primarily, commercial galleries. So you talked about when you were, you know, you were initially signed by them or brought into their group. What kind of experiences can you share with us that you think would be interesting to the listeners? Um, It was an interesting setup when they started. They moved to a larger premises eventually, but it was it was quite a, a kind of low-key affair at first. It was kind of one of those, an old warehouse in, a, in what was a very different London then, in a kind of run-down part. They eventually moved to Chelsea, which was much more fashionable. And the place they moved to was a, a building site when they first moved into it. And, it, and it's now really kind of glossy apartments and, and very valuable real estate around there. But at the time, it was called World's End. And World's <laughs> End. World's End. That's, that's what it felt like. <laughs> and they had this enormous, um, again, drafty warehouse that they eventually converted into a fantastic gallery. But um, they had a room full of uh, serigraphers, a room full of etchers, two, sorry, two rooms full of etchers, and 
in-house artists and it was well, um, what, what, what does that mean well they had they had artists that worked out outside and, and brought paintings to them but my studio was actually in 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 in, in the uh, within the warehouse because I needed it because I was etching all the time you know to go from the solitude of uh, being on your own in the studio to a, a, it was quite robust mm -hmm. atmosphere to be in you know and uh, people would take no prisoners so you you kind of you kind of had to be on your not be too sensitive about your work you know because uh, but it was good it was a great learning curve and I think and you know you met lots of people that, that had different techniques in art and you picked up all sorts of bits and pieces while you were there and the quality of the work was was wonderful I mean it, it really was really rather good you know they did these multicolored uh, serographs you know up to 120 colors and we also did three plate etching three color plate etching which is you know traditionally etching is black and white and, and the three color combination thing added an extra technical complication to that so again that was a, a learning curve for me nice. um, they had a lot of really good artists too. Yeah, and Chava Marcus yeah. was with he him. Was through Did you meet Chava back in those days? Yes. Yeah, I didn't know Chava. Simon uh -huh. Ball. Simon Ball was yeah. another one. Uh -huh. Tarkai came. Uh -huh. Yeah, Tarkai was with him for a while too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was curious about that because you know the back in those days it was a different world. You know the gallery world was was uh, completely different than it is today. Of course, you know my attitude and opinion of artist movies. Yeah, we've talked about it before and how much I hate them. <laughs> and that I've never seen a good artist movie. Never. Actually, the only one I've ever liked was the one recorded in the 19, film in the 1930s yeah. with Charles Lawton. It's the Rembrandt movie. Oh, the Rembrandt movie. one, yeah. 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 And it's so scratchy and it has like no music in it. And it's, but it's, you can hear like all the sounds of people you know, rustling their feet you know, and stuff because it was so primitive. I like that one. But every time I see an artist's movie, it just disappoints me so much. You know, it's like yeah. they're trying to aggrandize their lives or something to make them interesting enough. But you, you like artist movies. Some of them you actually enjoy, right? Uh, well, like you, it's a kind of it's kind of a, a, a mixed thing. <laughs> I think I said to you before that Annie and I watched these things together, and we we watched uh, the movie on on Turner. In oh, I, I turned that one off halfway through. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know. I, I quite liked it. Did you? I, yeah. yeah. Visually, it was rather beautiful. I mean, uh -huh. because obviously they used Turner's colours within it. And uh, there's a, a bit where he's walking over the downs and he's sketching. And he's holding his sketchbook in a kind of non-realistic way for the sake of drama or for the sake of visuals. You know, um, Annie was nearly out of her seat saying, no, he wouldn't be able to draw if he held his book like that. And that's always the test. Whenever you get seen a movie, I don't like these movies where the character is an impoverished artist and he has this vast warehouse and a studio. <laughs> All these paintings stacked up. Where does he get his canvases and paints? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's impoverished. Yeah. yeah. And this business, you know, where they pump the music up and the guy's throwing paint at the, yeah. the canvas. Yeah. We talked about um, Love is the Devil earlier. Francis Bacon. Yes. Yeah. Which is you that's like quite that? a good you like that one. Yeah. You, there's no, there's he, no art in it, right? It's there's just, no art yeah, in it. He, yeah, they weren't right. allowed to use the art. Right. But they, they get round that quite 
quite interestingly by distorting the people in the bar to make them look like Francis Bacon paintings. <laughs> it's great. That's interesting. And he was such an interesting character yes, anyway. Was, I mean, it, it, yeah. so it does. Yeah. But when you try and fill in the gaps and try and... You and I were talking about this new TV series on Picasso. And National Geographic series. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And, right and I'm... Yeah, as we speak. I, yeah. The jury's still out. Yeah, as well, far you've, as you've seen only one episode so yeah, far, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen maybe six, five or six of them. Yeah. Is I there, can't. I can't stand the smoking. He's yeah, never yeah. not got a cigarette yeah, in his mouth. I think that, that's pretty realistic, actually. I think it probably was the case. Every yeah. time you see a photograph of him, pretty yeah, much yeah. he's smoking too. Have you? Is there any art movie that you really liked? Artist movie that you really, really liked? Well, I was talking to you earlier about the Peter Greenaway movies. Yeah. They're, right. they're again a bit of a curate's egg because uh -huh. they're such a visual feast. The Rembrandt uh, movie. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Rembrandt watch, movie, and he's made several yeah. others. He made one. Um, based on uh, called Prospero's books and they have a scene in the middle of it that's from the Titian painting Bacchus and Ariadne and it's a reenactment of that all done in slow motion with all these mm -hmm. dancing satyrs and, and, and nymphs and it, it's beautiful I mean um, you're, you're seduced by that but sometimes the dialogue is, a, is a, a, a little bit lacking I find well, I think you've said before, you know, how can you make an artist movie interesting because it's just a guy standing... Standing in his studio, his scratching at a, at a canvas. Exactly. <laughs> you have to sensationalize yeah, it somehow. Like watching paint dry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> to get someone to pay attention to it, I guess, yeah. I guess that's the problem. But it's great. Um, it. Lust for Life is... I mean, it has uh, elements of enjoyment. That's the it. Van Gogh movie? Yeah. 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 Have you seen the animated Van Gogh movie? The, the one that's the, the, out no, recently. No, yeah. no, I've heard it's interesting. About that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, I think it was okay. It's, it's, you know, it's dealing with uh, the theory that you know Van Gogh was murdered, that he didn't, or he was killed. You know, that he didn't really kill himself. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it develops that that, that idea, uh, which is interesting. I, I watched it on an airplane on a screen that was six inches by yeah, four inches. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to appreciate the aesthetics of the movie. When well, apparently it's meant to be beautifully painted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Great, great, uh, a lo lovely coloration in it, especially. It's a nice use of the medium of film to see it, you know, take that step and, and move it in a further direction. And nice to have the theme of, uh, of Vincent. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any anything I really liked. I don't, I don't think so. That, that but it always movie. seems to come down to the visuals. In yes, the end. it does. If, it, if it's yeah. these Peter Greenaway films on Rembrandt, every scene is lit like a Rembrandt. And you think, if I'm not engaged with what's going on dramatically, there's still something wonderful to look visually. at. Yeah, a wonderful composition. Right, or, right. Did you see the Goya movie? Goya's Ghost? Goya's Ghost, Did yeah. Did you like that? Didn't mind it at all. He did a very good etching in the middle, so Annie oh. didn't shout uh -huh. again, you know, so uh -huh. that was quite accurate, the yeah. way he did yeah. that. That's nice. That's good. We have some, we have some, some accuracy. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I've just read a book called Modernists and Mavericks, which is... Uh, about um, artists, British artists from the, the 60s onwards. Oh, okay. So Bacon, yeah. Hockney, Freud, and people like that. Yeah. Pretty, really interesting. I mean, and, uh, all great draftsmen, too. Yeah. Yeah. But nice, a nicely written book as well, really informative. Yeah. It's quite fascinating. Wait. Lucian Freud lived in a place called Little Venice just after the, the war, the Second World War. And it was a slum, and those houses are now worth millions and millions really? of pounds. I mean, it's quite incredible. They had this, 
another world. It's kind of a, a bohemian world. That's interesting. What do you take from Francis Bacon? I, it's that, it's that Velasquez thing, the grand, the grand manner. I think. I mean, he was a guy who, who was freer with paint than I can think of anybody, you know, but yet controlled. I mean, it's uh, you know, if you're painting an abstract picture, you can do what you like, but he was doing this this mixture of of um, figurative and ab and abstracted. I mean, no formal training at all as an artist, a complete you know, complete maverick and. Uh, a man who said that my painting should either end up in the National Gallery or the dustbin, and um, painted what he wanted, didn't care. And putting it all out on the line. Yeah, putting, yeah. Putting it all out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, a but when you see the paintings, they are uh, stunning. And yes, I, he are. was obviously a man who loved paint. Yeah, loved the loved the tactile. Yeah. The application. Yeah. Paint. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I love his work when he's, he's just so, no matter how disturbing it is. Well, yes, I mean, even if you don't so, like it, it's sensuous, isn't yes, it? It's the, so, the, the, it's the, the technique is just so overpowering yeah. in his paintings, it's really incredible. I like his um, yeah. skin tones yeah. within the pictures. He's, he, had, he put his paintings behind glass, too, didn't he? Intentionally. Yeah. yeah. The idea was that you could see yourself yeah. uh -huh. kind of involved in this, in this horrific yeah. scene that was Yeah, going yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of glass being a part of the aesthetic yeah, experience yeah, and the work. Yeah. How interesting is that, yeah. you know? You yeah. know, he had to um, guy. switch to acrylic paints because he used to mix oil paints on his arm uh -huh. while he was painting. He became aller allergic oh, okay. to them. Oh, he poisoned himself? Yeah, you just think, get a palette, Francis. You know, yeah. why not? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do work that way. No. I remember seeing photographs of his studio. After he died, I think they just left it yeah. the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. Teenager's yeah. bedroom, it was unbelievable. Yeah, well, beyond, like, yeah. yeah. I just I look at it, he's just going, how could anyone survive in that hideous mess of, you know, it's yeah. just, you yeah. know, just yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. There's, and you know, they recreated it. I think it's a, a, a gallery in, yeah. in Ireland. Oh, yeah? And what is quite funny is that it's chaos. But they well, created they painstakingly it painstakingly. Put it back together. Yeah, and you uh -huh. see these all these people with rubber gloves on, carefully <laughs> putting a piece of paper down on the floor. You know, and putting paint on it. <laughs> oh no, that's not quite right. It was it was much messier than. Let this. me go back to the the reference photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this piece of trash is know, in the you, wrong position. You imagine you imagine uh, like you heard the story of Tracy Emin's bed. Yes. That somebody came in and tidied it up. Yeah, right, uh, right. Well, you imagine somebody the, going into Bacon's studio yeah. and sweeping it up. Yeah, yeah, or, or uh, throwing away Damien Hurst's ashtray. That's right, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cleaning crew came in and cleaned it up. So uh, what are you listening to right now? What's on your, your current music radar? Always Keith Jarrett. Yes, I listen to big Keith Jarrett. I think a yeah. daily dose of Keith uh -huh. of some sort. And You've seen him live, right? Yes, yeah. I've seen it a with, couple of times. With a group or solo? I saw him solo and with his trio as okay. well. When did you see the trio? A couple of years ago. Okay, yeah. so it's just a recent yeah. trio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what do you what What is it about Keith Jarrett that does it for you? The awe-inspiring technical skill and the range, and I. I I think for some people it might drive them crazy to have to listen to 40 minutes of music straight off. 
but for me it's like a it's like a journey you do you can hear the struggle and you can and the resolution and uh, I like that I, 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 I like that idea that it's music that's being made in the moment I mean whether he's improvising or not I don't know you know but you always feel like you're taken on a, a musical journey mm -hmm. isn't that wonderful where you can't tell if he's improvising or not yeah I mean, sometimes you think, ah, okay, yep. you, you knew that you were going to arrive at that theme, right. you know, but it's taken you 20 minutes to get to it. To get yeah. to it. Yeah. And he doesn't care. If, you, yeah. if you're thinking, oh, come on, Keith, get yeah. going. Yeah. And sometimes you do think he's got stuck in this groove. He's, uh -huh. he's just going and going with this. But he doesn't care. He's playing for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that quality comes across. Yeah. Pat Metheny's like that, too, for me, you know. You can't tell with Pat Metheny. His, his compositions sound like improvisations and his improvisations sound yeah, like compositions. Yeah. I recommended a book to you uh, called The Lives of the Great Composers. Yes. Yes. Are you still reading it? I'd, I'd finished it. Yeah. And I, I actually recommended it to another friend of mine Did you? Uh -huh. who's not that into classical music, but he enjoyed it as well. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. Isn't it, it is. It's yeah. fabulous. Well, yes. It's a great survey. What were some of the, the fame, the, your favorite uh, composers in that book? Um, reading about. I mean, some of the stories were good. I'm not a big Wagner fan. I am not either, but it was hysterical. Was uh, he, the chapter on Wagner? Just something what a else. character. He huh? really is. <laughs> you know, I, I, can, I can only compose when I'm surrounded by, by the most expensive, beautiful things. You must buy me all this bling before you get a note <laughs> out of me. Out of me. Yeah. And, and then the story about this, this he wanted money from this young man, and he said, if you pay me, you can spend time with me. Yeah, and you could be lucky to be in the presence of such so, a great of an exceptional person, <laughs> such a great person. <laughs> <laughs> but the Debussy, I mean, I love Debussy's music, and you always think that somebody who produced something as dreamy as that, um, um, but a, not a nice guy in real life. Yeah. It is uh, obviously, I get the impression that a lot of them were somewhere on the spectrum. Super intelligent, but you know, a little bit mathematical, shall we say? Mm, complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you could forgive him. You could forgive him everything, couldn't you? That, yes. Uh, yes. When you when you hear the music. Yes. And I've got I've got uh, two CDs of his uh, piano music at home. One is done in the kind of what you would think of as the more cliched, dreamy Debussy style. But the other guy does it um, much quicker and much more, I don't want to say aggressively, but it, you see it, it brings out a different side. It brings out how technical a writer he was rather than an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not here, you hear the atmosphere in this one and you hear the, the, the form, brilliant the form, form yeah. in, in, in this one. one. And it, and it yeah. is, I, I like yeah. putting the two on one right. after the other. And, mm -hmm. um, and comparing them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I got something interesting from that book about Mozart and the simplicity of his notes, particularly like in the piano concertos. And the, there's two different thoughts because Mozart was known to improvise a lot when he performed. Yes. And the theor one theory is you have to play exactly as he wrote it. Every one of those notes needs to be played precisely, you know, in simplicity, the purity of the sound, purity of the, of the melody. And the other theory is, 
that's just a guideline for improvisation because you know he, he improvised himself and yeah. you're allowed to yes. improvise on, on top of it. it. The tension between those two schools is dramatic in Mozart's Mozart's work. My see. favorite part though is the the part about the castrati. Remember that? Oh yes, yes. where they, 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 they just were, sang what they yeah. wanted. Well, they would they they sliced off their testicles when they yes. were boys, so yeah, their, yeah. their 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 voices wouldn't you know change, and then when they grew up. They had barrel chests, yeah, and they were full like men, manly men. But they had, you know, a little boy's voices, yes. And they were the first like matinee idols, yes. You know, back That's in the right. day, yeah. yeah. When they performed, the women would come along and swoon. They would swoon, yes. But apparently, the 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 composers had a lot of trouble with them, because they would just go off in the middle of a piece on their own. They'd yep. step to the front of the right, stage. Right. Exactly, and, and, yeah. and improvise, improvise you know, yeah. and off show off chops, yeah. how, how high uh, can, I, I uh, can I go. <laughs> it was amazing, the castorati. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Peter, it's been really fun. Yeah, it's uh, been great. Thank I mean, you, we, we veered off from, from visual art, but well, of course, uh, I'm sure our know, listeners uh, are, are, are going to appreciate the chance to get you into it. start in one place and then it becomes yeah, something else. Yeah, which is like a Keith Jarrett performance, right? But uh, thanks for taking time to be with us. And... Um, I can't wait till we get to, to, to see each other again. I know we're going to see each other in a few months, and we'll take up where we left off, which is what we always do. We just yeah. got to pick up where we left off. Congratulations on the book, the new Thank book. You. It's beautiful. I know that uh, many people are excited about it, seeing it. And congratulations on uh, you know your continued success. If our listeners are not familiar with Peter's work, you can, of course, see it uh, on the Park West website, which is parkwestgallery.com. Uh, you'll see some beautiful examples of Peter's imagery. But anyway, thanks again for, for being here, Peter, and uh, I look forward to seeing you and keep up the great work. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Park West Gallery's Behind the Artist. To learn more about Park West Gallery's family of artists, visit us online at parkwestgallery.com or follow us on social media. You can subscribe to Behind the Artist on your favourite podcast app, and be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes.